0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
1: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's good to be with you. Today, we are taking some time to talk about our spirituality as it relates to communal places of worship. And just to kind of give a little background for why this has come up for me, I was talking recently with someone who was sharing about their own search for a church home and walking through all of the considerations, things they were thinking about social justice, a place where there was diversity, age wise and ethnically, and being able to feel like the sermons kind of match their thought processes and, you know, and then working with their spouse's needs and the things that they're thinking about. And as I had walked away from that conversation, I found myself wondering kind of about the whole landscape of what we're talking about in general, just spirituality and how people are connecting with it. Because, you know, I helped to start a church back in 2010, and if I think back 12 years ago, I can remember just all the things that we were thinking about and talking about and kind of how we wanted to be all things to all people. And so I imagined all these connections in the community and ways that people could you know, go to programs, volunteer if they wanted to, and there would be dynamic preaching and engaging music and all the things for people to be able to engage spiritually. And then as other people joined in, we added in all of their things, and so there was just so many things. And you know, just to say, as best as I can tell, I think that's been the American story. I've read these articles that talk about these big department stores like Macy's and Sears, and there was this idea that everybody would go and they would get everything in one place. That was the big draw, and it seems like it worked for a time, like most of the 1900s actually, there was this upward, upward, upward rise, and then somewhere in the 90s, something changed, and it started to go the other way the stores started to be emptier and they started to consolidate and something that was quite popular and it seemed like it would never go away, some of them don't even exist anymore, which I think in a way, has been true at the spiritual level as well. We see more and more churches reporting these declines, more and more people are citing this difficulty of saying like, can one place really speak to everything that the Spirit has put inside of me? And so maybe it would be kind of fun for us to talk about it here. Are we maybe done with the one-stop type shop, if you will? What is everybody else wondering about? I am eager to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, it's interesting even using the phrase a one-stop shop when it relates to spirituality. And, you know, I'm I'm all for I love the super targets and you know, where you can do a lot of things in one store that feels very convenient to me. And so, you know, Amazon, all the things. But it's interesting using that phraseology with church and spirituality, because I think of those as more spaces, like a communal space, a communal gathering, a communal people versus a shop or a stop. And yet how many times have have we, you know, heard the phrase, oh, I'm, I'm church shopping. I moved into a new town and I'm church shopping. So it's interesting to me that, you know, some of that consumer mindset that we have or the convenience mindset. And, you know, I, I know it's interesting your studies about the department stores, because I think I can see both in On the one hand there, there is more of a push for local or specialized. And at the same time, I think we do, or at least maybe it's just me that loves the Like where multiple shops are in one area, like maybe it's the outdoor mall or, you know, the super target type situations. And so I wonder if there's a tension that we feel where we do want the convenience, we do want the accessibility, and yet... There was something about the specialty where it's like, I can get most of my stuff here, but then there's this one thing that I have to order at the specialty store or go to the particular place to get this one thing that I'm looking for. So that's what comes up for me as you bring up this topic.
0: I really appreciate what both of you guys have brought up Uh, thinking about a community or thinking about a parish, I think is a lot different than thinking about a church, right? I think that we've had different ways of viewing what is our spiritual life. And how do we gather around our spiritual community? And I think that's evolved a lot over the last hundred years. And thinking about it being in decline, like people just are, I, I think I've heard a ton of uh, clergy people say that during the pandemic, it's just been a back door. It's just been an open back door for people to exit. And so they can say, I don't like Zoom or I don't like the online experience. You know, there's all kinds of things that people say, but I think it's been an evaluation time for people. What, what is meaningful? What is significant for me right now in my life, in my spiritual journey? And so, you know, as I talk to people, the, the one-stop shop is, is probably not ever going to return because we have so much information that is online. We have so many resources, uh, spiritual resources so many different places that you can go to to discover spiritual practices or spiritual learnings i like spiritual community gatherings as it relates to it being a one-stop shop yeah i wonder if it is a relic of the past
1: yeah i mean very interesting observations and and i sympathize you know whenever we think about oh do i like to go for example to a target i think you mentioned yeah i do right because i like to get a bunch done at once although I mean, I think after I had kids, I probably stopped going to stores a lot. It just got to be crazy. But I think I'm sympathetic to the story on two sides of the coin. Like On one hand, it does feel like a lot for any organization to say, let me be all these things and let me do all of them so amazingly equally well. It almost seems unfair, and I can certainly speak to how stressful that that is felt. Uh, But I also see the struggle for an organization who's saying, you know, how do I fund myself? (laughs) And so how do those, you know, systems continue to exist? So I I see that tension for those people. And then on this other side, um, if one is to be compassionate and loving towards the needs of another human, Is it okay to be able to say like, I'm gonna go here and do like, you know, protesting (laughs) or uh, mercy ministries to my community. And then I'm gonna come over here because I have a, you know, a child and I wanna nurture all of that. I'm gonna go over here because they really lean into this contemplative stuff and I'm curious about that, or they they have an amazing band. I mean, I used to get so ruffled about, you can't just go somewhere because they have a great band. How not fair would that be? But can we can we embody that? Can we offer this more compassionate embrace of people and that ability to move around? Can we shift culturally? Like, I don't know.
2: So I think something that comes up for me is Indeed, you know, me being a person as well, who is sort of had a mosaic approach to my spirituality in recent years, where I do recognize that maybe the bulk of my spirituality comes from this particular place, but certainly there are other places where I am going to supplement or to get things that the primary community can't supply for me. And so there's an awareness of that. I wonder though, how does that translate into like where commitments lies, where the community is, what does it mean to, you know, to take, am I giving back? And so, you know, even this, you know, every year we look over our finances. And so in January, it's like, you know what, I'm receiving a lot from this organization and this organization. And so I actually want to give some money towards them because I haven't done that before. And I really am benefiting spiritually from them, even though I wouldn't consider them maybe my primary spiritual source, but that became important for me to kind of be part of that you know, community and, and and giving in that way, or maybe it is showing up for for something that you know normally I, I might not, but they they are needing a volunteer if I live locally and am receiving from something local. So I think that comes up for me is like where does the you know the give and take relationship happen when we are maybe having more of a mosaic approach to our spirituality?
0: I think one of the things that comes up for me is. I, th- I think when we think about our spiritual lives, sometimes what happens is we have a longing for what was. In my own life, I was in a modern monastic community that really helped form my faith, and the amount of community that I got in in my young spiritual life was. I mean, it was just like daily. It it happened hourly. I know a lot of people within that community that are no longer with that community. And there's this longing for what was. And I think a lot of people are experiencing that, a longing for, for a spiritual life that was maybe a past thing. And it's really hard to make our way forward because our eyes are behind us rather than what is going to be life giving in the future and how can I find meaning and purpose and connection and how can I do social justice? How can I give back? And so for me, I, I think that's a, that's a huge question is how do I keep my eyes uh, forward rather than having a longing for what was in the past?
1: Yeah. These are both really important things to name it. Right? This, this need for, a community, it seems to actually continue to exist in all these conversations about as I'm looking for, and I'm gonna use another one of those consumer terms again, right, the spiritual goods, right, as I look for the goods, how do I get the community if it's all over? So Christine, I love what you're naming around, okay, can I invest in this community? What does it look like for me to invest in multiple communities? And maybe there is a shift, but that's still meaningful. And at the same time, Um, Chris, what you're naming, this need to look forward, to look outward, and to see new possibility. Uh, That's gonna be a big part of the story, it seems like, as we think about spirituality in today's landscapes. These are super important. Even as we're kind of moving forward, there's the stress and there's the struggle and breaking into something that's new, It's, it's not nothing. And at the same time, this profound beauty of the reality of each person being so unique. Uh, We were gathered as a spiritual community not too long ago and we were talking about this contemplative tree and there's all these kind of large branches and then more branches that come off. So maybe you're into like artistic things or you're into activism or you're into silence and on and on but out of, You know, movement, there's so many different ways to move the body. You could go out into nature. You could be doing something with yoga. You could just be, you know, stretching in your living room. There's so many ways to engage, to get generative uh, spiritual experiences, and we're not always in the same place at the same time. So how do we embrace that?
2: circling back to something that you were saying, I think that there's seasons to our spiritual communities that we experience. And I think sometimes we don't maybe think in terms of that, like, this is my, this is my church, or this is my primary place of worship rather than recognizing, okay, for a season, like you mentioned in my early formative years, there were these people that were very meaningful to me. And that experience was wonderful and good. And that is no more and that is okay. And that is a natural cycle and part of life where I had this and now I don't have that. And I have something different and it looks different. And I do think it's normal and natural to be attached to some of those past things rather than recognizing, no, we've all changed. And so therefore my needs, and and it's okay to to name that, like we do have different spiritual needs. That's not a selfish thing to acknowledge. And maybe this group of people that got me to this place, isn't the same group of people that's going to be on this next leg of the journey for me. And I think that that that's okay. That's valid. And I think sometimes naming that I think gives us the freedom to then explore and to branch out into these new expressions.
0: And I think another image that comes to my mind, I've been watching and reading a bit about, you know, people who traveled West for uh, in the 1800s for a more spacious, expansive life. And, you know, I think they they're leaving behind one life And they have a vision for another life in order to get there they have to they have to rough it across thousands of miles and i think this vision of what it is that they're they're longing for propels them to make this journey i think a lot of people are kind of in that space of they're leaving behind this old life and they have a vision for this new life and they don't know exactly what it means to have this new life. They're just on this journey. They're on a spiritual journey and they're trekking across landscapes to try to get to this new place. And I think for me, that's helpful. It's a helpful image as I think about people's spirituality and how they want to move forward in life.
1: That is a really beautiful image of just needing a little space. <laughs> um yeah so i think even as i'm hearing everybody talk there's this okay i'm naming it right so many of us are naming it that something is different (laughs) and we're trying to move forward and we don't necessarily entirely know how so a little bit of space to figure it out in point of fact does feel helpful. So where does this leave us?
2: You know, if we're asking these questions, like what does this mean and where does this leave us?
1: Because of the need to hear the spirit within to kind of go back to that deep listening aspect.
2: And I think it's important to pay attention to that inner wisdom because sometimes what we think we need isn't really where the spirit might be drawing us. And so I was recently listening to a podcast with Eugene Peterson. For those who aren't familiar with him, he is the message Bible translator and he pastored for a number of years. And he would always encourage people um, when they move to a town, go to the closest church to where you live. The, you know, look, get the map out and wherever it is and stay there for at least six months. And then if you, you can't connect and don't like it, then go to the next closest church rather than going based on well, what do I think I need? And I like this style or whatever, and really to commit to that, that people, because they are part of the body of Christ and you can learn from them. And I just think, well, wow, that's a really rich perspective as well, where I don't think that our culture maybe approaches it that way. We first tend to approach it with what are my felt needs and how can I get them met? As opposed to there is something to be said about there is beauty in the body of Christ and who's my nearest neighbor and what does it mean for me to be in a in a in a situation where i'm going to be stretched to think different ways and to commit to commit even when it doesn't feel good or or fit my needs or whatever so i think sure. there's lots of different perspectives
1: and so i i kind of think even as we're all sharing and talking together that there's this maybe I think what sparks for me is the sense of being able to move into that deep inner wisdom space, which sometimes and we talk a lot about spiritual companioning here on the podcast. So sometimes that is maybe helpful in the sense of a little dyad or a little community of people where we can sit and notice what stirs, uh, but there are, are definitely themes here, like needs for certain connection and, and desires that we have. Uh, but What is the spirit maybe saying to us a little bit? What is the call? And so maybe that internal being able to go in and find that deep inner wisdom is where we're at in the journey, perhaps. So thank you guys for being in this conversation, being in the middle of who knows where and naming that we don't exactly know, but we know something is there and and we're willing to talk about it. We're willing to live in the tension of it. So thank you for that. Now we are going to transition to the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. So what are we into?
0: Well, I have been into uh, deep diving into the most comfortable walking, hiking, running shoe. And so uh, those that know me, whenever I want to research something, I really go on. A journey of discovering all the possibilities. And so I've been researching what is the most comfortable hiking running shoe and I've ordered it and it is going to be showing up on my doorstep today. I am into running shoes and uh, yeah, hopefully this will make my life better, make my feet more comfortable.
2: Um, well, I am into Build-A-Bear workshops And so, um, we have three kids and for some reason, our first two kids, we never really kind of ventured into that world. Um, our middle child received a -A Build-A-Bear, but we never like did the whole thing. But, um, we recently went and my six-year-old is in love with his Bucky stuffed animal. So sweet. And I, and I forget how much joy a stuffed animal can bring a child. And I don't know, there's something about picking it out and creating it and stuffing it and you put the heart and proudly displayed. Like somebody came over last night and he got the birth certificate out and showed our friend the birth certificate. And so I just think what a delightful little place. So I am into the Build-A-Bear workshop. So
1: exciting. Oh goodness. I think that I am into the pool passes that we just signed up for (laughs) because it has been sprinter in central Wisconsin for weeks now. Like there's no spring. It's some sort of hybrid experience. And um, we had a new kind of water park open in our town last year we only got to go once so I'm so excited I've even started like my husband's swim trunks are like 20 years old we got new swim trunks we're gonna do this thing all the way so that is what I am into well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we do invite you to sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter. You can also find other resources on our resources tab. It's all available at thecontemplativelife.net. Thanks so much. We'll see you later. Bye.